And Josh kept filling out these little tickets. And he would hand them to me and say, these are your club tickets. And I said, I don't want them at the end of the day. <laughs> I told him that for five days. He never got the message. Every day he made me take them home. So I'm telling you that so that when you drop your kids off, he's going to make you take them home. Just wanted you to know that. Okay. All right, if you got your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Now, I know there's Proverbs 29, 18 up there, but don't worry, we'll get to that. It's one that you're welcome to do. See? I just want to be in the choir on that song. I'm going to tell you. Amen. Is it as good as I've heard the choir sing since I've been here for the past four years? Amen. Let's get over here.
Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has this man brought him off to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My need is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I send you to reap, and wherein you bestowed no labor, other men have labored, and yet you enter in to their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for the saying of the woman which testified, He told all, me all that I never did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because thou hast uh, for uh, thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Father, we come before you today, and we ask that, Lord, as we investigate the question, why are we in business? Lord, I pray that you would just show us, the Lord, what you have for us today that would challenge our hearts and minds. Lord, what we are here to do, what you have set the perfect example for us to do, how that you have described it over and over again in your scripture. Lord, as we look at this particular passage, we see these areas of life in which we need to be honored so that we would recognize it, Lord, how that we are to reap our communion in Christ. Lord, now move the other way and hide it behind the cross. Let us not be hearers only, but doers of your word also. Washington, D.C., a business was going in the process of going out of business. It said they hung a sign on the front door for passerbys to read, and here's what the sign said. Going out of business didn't know what our business was. Boy, that makes sense. No wonder they're going out of business. Oftentimes, the what is true in the business world can be applied to the work of the church as well. We must know what we're in business to do in order for us to stay in business doing it. A steady reminder or continual refocus can help us stay on track. We cannot probe into the life of Jesus very far without quickly realizing what mattered most to him. We also see that Jesus was a vision and mission-minded and driven person in everything that he did. So it's my hope today that we will spend our time together as we are uh, looking at the reminder why are we in business? Why do we come Sunday after Sunday? Why do we have this church building? Why do we have this ministry? Why do we do what we're to do? We have, uh, when we have lost our sense of vision, people will perish for want of vision. Proverbs 29, we'll go ahead and go through the slides here, guys. All right, Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, what the Bible is telling us here is the writer of Proverbs is saying, when we have lost our way, when we have lost our focus, we've lost our understanding as to what we're to do, we're going to perish. Just like that business that I told you, who said, we're going out of business because we didn't know what our business was. They lost their vision or never had a vision. Now, 
newspaper article reported that a mainstream Protestant denomination was taking a study to redefine its church's mission, saying it was entering into the third century as a denomination adrift without vision or a sense of identity. 112 of their seminary professors recommended that they do this study. The question before us, one of them said, is our loss of common sense of mission, which is indeed the mission of God. What has happened to that denomination can happen to our denomination, can happen to our church, can happen to us as individuals. Whenever we lose our common sense mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who has set the example before us, the one who showed us what we are to do, and then called us into what we are to do, when we lose that vision, when we lose that ministry, we are adrift. We are hopeless or dreamless. You see, Jesus, as recorded in John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42, in dealing with this woman of Samaria, led her to a new life, a new identity, and a new joy. Because Jesus fulfilled his mission, her life was changed eternally. In this encounter, there are some great lessons about Jesus and how he dealt with people. There are at least four essential lessons that we need to talk about this morning that we can learn from on this encounter to remind us as a church why we're in this business. Why we're in the business that we're in. So today, I ask you just to listen and, and to respond to the Lord. First of all, as we look at what Jesus is doing, we find these things about why we should be in the mission we're in. Jesus saw more people, or saw people more important than anything else. In John chapter 4, verses 31 through 33, Jesus made it very, very clear that the needs of people were more important than the needs of himself. Over and over throughout Jesus' life, we see the very reality that Jesus always What he said about the Jews in Jerusalem and what he said about you and I, he meant it. But we are more important. Now, there are two ulterior motives that I have for sharing this message this morning. One, as we Christian talk about the fact that our, our general budget is down $33,000 during the past holiday. So what that means is that we're having to make decisions on what we have to touch, what ministry we're going to. ministering to souls and ministering to people and doing ministry. But we cannot do that without the financial support of other people. The second reason that I'm preaching this message this morning is because in two weeks, I'm going to start a new series on how to be a Christian in Colorado versus wilderness. Several of you have asked, how do you deal with this culture? How do you deal with all of the upside downness of this culture? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to do two first. 
You see, the thing is, if we want to change our culture, it's not by attacking the culture, it's by loving the people. How do they fit into the <coughs> So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that, but I want you to see what Jesus says here to the Samaritan woman. Now, I didn't go into this before, but if you know anything about the story of the Samaritan woman, and this is after, we'll, we'll call her husband. Uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? She's like, Let me tell you, there's nothing in our culture that's going on that is any more sinful than what has ever gone on before. It's a culture thing. It's not that our culture is any more wicked. It's just more blatant wickedness. Jesus dealt with everything that we're dealing with. And yet he did it to love us. And so we need to do that very same thing. So this is what I want to share with you this morning. First of all, Jesus saw people more important than anything else. We can see in these verses that After traveling from Judea all the way to Galilee, Jesus went through a place called Samaria. Now, for the Jews, they would travel many, many miles around Samaria so they didn't have to go through this, this wicked, sinful, dirty place. But I love what Jesus says at the beginning of chapter 4. Fellas, come on, we're going to a journey. There's a place that I must go to. So on his way, he goes through a place called Samaria where he sent his disciples into town to buy some food because he was hungry and he was tired and he said, I want to stop here at the well and, and take a breather and you guys go get some food and bring it on back. And so Jesus sent them out. He sent them out into the city to be not only to go get food, but also to be an example. My friends, do you know that we are sent out every day to be an example in what we do? our responsibility as we go to work tomorrow morning or we go to the grocery store or we go to wherever it is that we've got to go, why? Well, God is sending us out to be, not only to do our everyday business, but to be an example, to be a witness for his call and for his son. And so he sent his disciples into the town in hopes that while they were there doing some business that they would share the love of Jesus. And so woman appears and sits alongside Jesus as he encounters this woman with great need, a need for a new reputation, a need for redemption, a need for someone to truly love her in a way that wasn't physical, to be able to answer her questions that she had about spiritual things. She was looking for someone that would take the time to hear her and listen to her and respond to her in a way that would change her. And Jesus was that person. Now the disciples are on their way back and they returned with food and they offered to Jesus, but Jesus said unto them, I have need to eat that you do not know of. And they looked at him, did you bring us some food? I mean, did someone?
somebody leave and bring it? understand that if Jesus was a people-loving and people-loving Savior, we the church today are supposed to be in the business of loving people unconditionally. The second thing I want you to see from Jesus is found in verse 34. Jesus' supreme desire was to obey the will of the Father. Jesus said, my need, my food, is not the things of this world, but my food, my strength, my well-being, my health, my ability comes from doing the will of the Father who sent me. He said, I know that, that no matter if I am starved in this world, my Father will give me the strength to accomplish his will while continuing to do his will. You see, the supreme desire of Jesus was to obey the will of the Father who sent him. The motive that to obediently follow the eternal will of the Father. The Bible tells us that Jesus was sent into this world to seek and to save those that were lost. The vision that Jesus had of an eternal future helped him to faithfully carry out his mission on this earth. I want to read from Revelation chapter 5, and I want you to hear these words. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, if you want to write it down, is where I'm going to read from. As and I behold, there beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the elders, and the number of them were ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands and thousands. That's a lot. Say with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the power and the riches and the wisdom and the strength and the honor and the glory and the blessing. And every creature which is in the heaven and in the earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea, and all of them that heard, I say, Blessing and honor and glory and power unto him that sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell on their face and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Jesus told his disciples, Listen, my friends, my need, my food, my strength comes not from the substance of this world, not from the things of this world, but of the things of eternal world. My need is to do the will of the Father. Jesus was on the cross, his final words. My friends, you remember what they were. It is 
Jesus saying, I'm finished? Boy, I've been beaten, I've been, I've been flogged, I've been hung, I've been, I've been crucified. No. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father who saved me, and me being on the cross today, now here for you, it is finished. I have completed all that God has called me to do. Now I'm going to my Father. I told my Sunday school class this morning in closing, when is a man ready to die? When he has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he has done all that God has called him to do. You can say it is finished. It is finished. Jesus' greatest desire was to do that which God had sent him to do. And he went to the cross. Paul said, in being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death. In the business of being obedient to the eternal will of the Father. And this church is our business. Is that not the business that we're to be in as the eternal business of fulfilling the will of our eternal Father in heaven? To fulfill God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. To take it to those who are sinful. sermon, everything that we do in the church should be to point people to the personal need of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so that we would say to them, don't just hear his only, but you do fulfill the will of God. The third thing that we see is found in verse 35. Jesus surveyed the world said there's no, did you know that in the newspaper in, in the early 1900s in the late 1800s actually um, there was a, a newspaper article that became we as Americans are studying out west and further west we went there was an article that said that America has gone so far that there is no hope of redemption for Jesus and just a few years later Jesus saw the value of transmission and the life saving power. 
Consider this scenario with me for just a minute. Ladies, listen to me. And I told you I was going to come back to this, ladies. Um, listen, one woman did what 12 men failed to do in town. Let me just say that again. So, for those of you that didn't have all your husbands, here's the topic. Ladies, one woman did what 12 men failed to do. Now, what do I mean by that? Listen. Jesus saw the value of putting his seed in the right soil. You see, consider the scenario. One woman went into town and told the men, I just met a dude. Out there at the well?
miss the golden opportunity. Have you ever ate a piece of corn that should have been picked three days ago? Yeah, that's not the same. But if you can pick it up that right day, boy, it's just sweet and tender. You just can't believe it. See, that's what we're talking about. It's missing the opportunity to harvest the people you never wanted. Whether it be barbecue this year or planning your next birthday. Jesus looked at the world when uh, the, the, he looked at it in such a way he harvested eyes and he saw where they planted the seed and he immediately planted it. Church, don't say yeah, there's four months and then maybe we'll see some advantage. Turn around and do it. We have the water and the harvest of every crying out of church that can do for this. The second thing that we see that Jesus saw was the value of There are many that are ripe under the harvest right now in this community. And we'll never know if we're only continuing sitting in the pews or sitting at home. If we're not out in our community sharing the gospel and talking to people and, and, and listening to people and loving people, we'll never have an opportunity to receive the blessing that we need to receive. There's only one thing that is lacking in some Issue for the immediate harvest. That's availability. <coughs> Over the years, the willingness to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Jesus is in the business of planting and watering and, of course, harvesting. As Christians, we can do more than sow a few seeds around here and there, doing business, bringing in the harvest. God said to his disciples, listen guys, I'm going to send you out into the world and you're going to you're going to be able to do things that you don't daily and that you don't, don't know. There's times when you're going to have to do the work. There's times when you're going to go in and water and, and, and sow the seed and water the seed. There's times you're going to harvest the seed and you're going to look and say, but I don't, I just met this person. And yet God's given me an opportunity to share the gospel with them and have them say, this is so. Somebody else <coughs> Lord said it doesn't matter who waters, who plants, who, who tills the ground, who harvests, all of us, if we're doing what we're called to do, our part ends now. In John chapter 4, verse 38, 